right, all right. Welcome in to the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzi Wasugi, and hope you guys are all having a great week. Appreciate you guys making time to download and listen to the episode. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. If you haven't, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean, and also share the links as well. I'm on social media, facebook.com slash farzibasugian, twitter.com slash farzin21. A lot to get into on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. A lot's happened since we've last done an episode. The NFL schedule release is out. I will go over that, give you guys my thoughts on Kansas City's schedule, plus a couple of other uh, team schedules that are worth noting and talking about uh also patrick mahomes what kind of a contract will he get we now know what russell wilson's deal is and there's some reference as to what kind of a deal mahomes will get i'll get into that later on also there is an update on the tyreek hill investigation uh pretty significant update there uh a lot going on with that how will that impact his football future. We'll talk about that all in just a moment. A lot to discuss on this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Little time to waste. In fact, we're going to start off with our guest for this episode. It is Matt Derrick, uh, writer and editor for ChiefsDigest.com. He's become a good friend of the podcast. He's joined us quite a lot uh, within the last year, and we've had a lot of fun talking to Matt and uh, bringing him back once again, Matt Derrick here on the Chief Zone Podcast. Matt, thanks for taking some time to join us. How are you? I am doing very well, thank you. It's always great to talk to you. Yeah, I know uh, things are starting to pick back up for you a little bit. Uh, I, I want to start, I know there's a lot going on with uh, the draft coming up and the, the Tyree Kill update. I, I want to get into that, but I, I want to know one thing, because we've discussed this a lot on the podcast, but obviously when a website like yours, ChiefsDigest.com, it's obviously a one-dimensional site because you're writing mostly about the Kansas City Chiefs, but... Uh, there's always that dead period, but given the Mahomes hype and the Mahomes mania, whatever you want to call it, and everything that he's been up to this offseason that has made headlines, is that something that just has helped kind of maybe attract your uh, fans to your website more times in the offseason than uh, than in the past offseasons, I guess? Yeah, I think I, oh, I think it definitely has. I mean, I think that's just universal across Chiefsland probably for the most part. Uh, definitely seems like there's more interest. I mean, uh, and, and obviously, some I think the other changes the team had this offseason. There was a lot of focus on the defense and changing defensive coordinators. Um, having a first round draft pick again helps since you haven't had that in a couple of years. Um, so I, I mean, it does help with all of that. But you know, good grief, you, you you're you're in the same boat. Uh, the NFL is a year round business now. It really is. I mean, uh, I don't know when the dead time is because it's. It seems like there's something going on all the time, and and even this time of year, you know, maybe the last couple of months, you might think there's, you know, there's a dead time. Man, there's a lot of homework to do. There's a lot of things to keep up on top of uh, to make sure that you're ready down the road. I've got to ask one more journalistic kind of question because I saw something pretty funny that we all had fun with, uh, kind of laughing about. But I saw Brooke Pryor of the Kansas City Star. She tweeted that. She was at a movie theater when the Justin – I can't remember if it was Justin Houston or the D. Ford story that broke. I've got to ask, man, as writers like yourself, especially, you know, yours, again, like I said, very chief-centered, so you always want to keep stay on top of all these things. I mean, are you able to have a social life? Are you able to go out and have some fun occasionally, or, or, or how does that all work for you? Yeah, you know, it can be very inconvenient. I mean, like right now I'm trying to figure out with my friends when, when we're going to go see Avengers Endgame. Like who <laughs> comes out with Avengers in the middle of draft week? Draft week. That's just that's just no good. Um, I'm trying to get them to hold off to at least Sunday, and then hopefully, you know, maybe Sunday night things quiet down a little bit. But you know, then you've got rookie, you know, free agent signings that you got to track down. So I, right now, my my biggest focus for draft weekend is figuring out how I can get through spoiler free until I get to see the movie. I don't know if you saw the uh, the creators, the Russo brothers. They wrote out a uh, little uh, a little uh, letter on social media, and at the end of it, they were like, "Hey, look, be cool, don't spoil it." But I've got a feeling uh, people are not going to follow that rule. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's so hard, you know. Good grief! I, uh, sometimes when the Star Wars movies come out, I'm, I'm, I'll admit I'm hitting the sites and everything like that, trying to, trying to get spoilers. But I, you know what? As I get older, I I'm trying to avoid more and more, so I can go in fresh and then try and you know have a have a you know an innocent experience at the movies. <laughs> uh, well, I'd love to talk Avenger, Marvel, Avengers, and Star Wars with you all podcast long, but that's not what uh, what we have you for. That's not 
Yeah, <laughs> uh, but that's not what people are listening in for. Uh, a lot going on with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, l- let's just start with the uh, the biggest story uh, that came out Thursday afternoon, and that is the uh, update with Tyree Kill. I know Monday, and I'm sure you had a question. I'm sure everyone in that media room had a question, but Andy Reid quickly came and just kind of shut that down and said, hey, look, I know there are going to be questions about Tyreek, and, and understandably so. Uh, he said he didn't have a lot of updates, but... We heard Wednesday afternoon, I saw KMBC uh, Channel 9 in Kansas City, they had the uh, report about the NFL and their investigative team really looking into things. And now we've had uh, the report, the update that he has temporarily lost custody of his three-year-old son. Uh, I I know you don't have a lot more that you can offer newsworthy-wise, but the Chiefs were very close, it sounded like, to giving him what was reported to be a record-breaking deal at some point. Uh, can you discuss in that terms, you know, where are the Chiefs football-wise with Tyreek Hill? Because, yeah, there is that unfortunate matter involving his fiance and his three-year-old son, but business does have to go on as usual, and there's always that football side of things that the Chiefs need to figure out to see what do they want to do with Tyreek Hill. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and and first and foremost, I mean, let's let's, let's acknowledge what everybody you know is first and foremost, and it's certainly the biggest paramount concern of the Chiefs too, which is that there are people's lives involved here. You know, and, and yeah. you're hoping that for the sake of the, of the child involved, that that everything is okay, and that's that's the paramount concern of everybody. And and anything that the Chiefs are doing, I mean, that is absolutely part of their paramount concern. Um, but you're right. I mean, unfortunately, it's a business, so you do have to consider that. And and you're right. I mean, all all evidence, the, everything that that we'd heard, and all the indications were that um, the Chiefs had absolutely reached a point where they were ready to give Tyreek Hill a, a big long-term contract extension. Um, and this is the time to do it. I mean, you know, Brad Veach has made it pretty clear that his philosophy is that at this point, when you've got a player. Um, it's going to be a free agent coming up next season, after the season. Um, you either extend them or you make the decision that you're going to eventually move on. And, you know, there's a couple of players that they've got in that, that ballpark right now. Chris Jones is there, too, Kendall Fuller. And, you know, those were the three people that they've, they've circled as getting extensions done. And, and obviously now with Hill, all that talk is, is on hold. And I, I think you do have to consider whether it will even happen. I mean, obviously, if, if everything works out in, in Tyreek's favor, things are favorable. Um, there's no punishment from the league, no punishment from the Chiefs. You certainly have options. I mean, there's always a franchise tag. There's other things that you can do. Um, but and Brad Veach was asked about it on Thursday. You know whether the questions with Hill and the injury history with Sammy Watkins influences their draft night. To a degree, you can't let it do that. I mean, you can't be drafting out of fear. You can't be drafting based on things that you don't know are going to happen. Um, you got to just do what's best for your team. So it, it may very well be that the Chiefs are, maybe they're interested in wide receiver anyway, and, and this doesn't impact their decisions. They're just going to move forward and do it. Um, but there's a lot of moving pieces to it. You're right. We don't know the full story yet. Um, do, the, do the Chiefs know more than they are letting on publicly? Uh, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm, I have no doubt of that. Um, but there's no upside or no no benefit to them to talking about it right now. I mean, they're in the best interest to let the investigation play out. Um, whatever happens, happens. And then they will address it at that point. But um, sharing anything that they've you know discussed with Tyreek or what their impression of the, the issue is right now, there's just absolutely no upside to them sharing it. And, and both Andy Reid and Brett Veach this week made it clear that they're not going to. I, I, I do have one more question about the investigation that I wanted to, uh, to kind of get your opinion on. But I do want to ask this, and I, I talked about this last week, and I think maybe you can add a little bit of clarity. I know Tyreek Hill was not made available in the uh, in the press conference on Monday where several players were made available. Uh, Andy Reid started things off, and then we, we saw Kelsey Mahomes and a few other players. But uh, I know the NFL has a strict rule, uh, and it's been like this for a few years now, where players do have to speak during the season. If I Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it's once during the practice week, and then assuming that they're a starter or they had a significant impact on the game, they need to make themselves available after the game. But as far as off-season availability goes, I mean, is, is Tyreek Hill... Is the NFL going to enforce that he has to be made available, or is he at a point right now where, because of an investigation, he does not have to talk to the media? Well, you've kind of hit on a really hot-button subject about reporters and the NFL, and, and maybe the Chiefs in particular, because 
there is an NFL-wide policy on media. You're exactly right. I mean, players are supposed to be available after the game. Um, they're supposed to be available once during uh, each once each week during the season in the locker room. Um, not every team abides by that rule. Some teams have little unwritten rules that they enforce. Chiefs are one of them, which has been if a player isn't practicing or isn't playing, they're off limits. And, and that technically, that's not the policy with the NFL. And and there's been some headbutting over that in the past. So um, there's no obligation, that, and I don't believe that there is a off-season requirement, even during OTAs, that you have to make every player available. You just have to make select players. Um, so I don't believe that the Chiefs are going to be under under obligation to make him available until the season starts. But, um, yeah, I mean, if this drags on and we do get to that point, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, the, the Chiefs are going to have to make him available at some point, and he will have to address this issue if he's a part of the team. I know the NFL is now involved, and I'm sure they've been involved for a while, but it was just recently reported. Again, like I said, on uh, KNBC, they had talked about this, where the NFL's investigation uh, investigative team, they're now looking into this. Matt, I don't know if I really trust the NFL in, in this, because they told the Chiefs to let them handle the whole Kareem Hunt thing. And, I mean, look, let's be honest, TMZ was far ahead of them in attaining that video and knowing what really happened uh, whereas the NFL, I mean, the NFL apparently didn't even reach out to the woman or even try. I, and I don't know what they did or didn't do, but they it, it seemed like they didn't do what they attempt what they claim is investigation. Do you trust the NFL in getting involved in all of this? Uh, no, I mean, in the short answer, no, um, you, you can't. I mean, and it's uh, and that's one of the reasons why I think a lot of people believe the NFL should not be in this business. Um, you know, if they're going to investigate their players and enforce policies of this nature, they, cry, they need to outsource that. I mean, it's, it's not something that they need to just not do themselves because, um, you know, one, I mean, the NFL is a, a football league. Yes, they have security people, but doing criminal investigations is not their forte. It's not what they do. Um, so there's a reason why they, you should hire the experts. But then, two, they're... They're not biased. They're, un, they're not unbiased. I mean, there's absolutely you know, the loyalties are all different directions. In some cases, you know, they've they've got obligations to meet to their owners. They've got obligations to their players, other teams. I mean, there's there's just nothing about them that they can look at a situation objectively. And I think that's kind of evident. And uh, things that have happened over the past is that um, they they have that consistent problem that keeps coming up, which is that they're trying to do something that they're not good at. And there, there's just too many influences in it that are always going to make the investigation suspect. So, you know, either they just need to rely on law enforcement, period, and let that be the final you know, termination. Um, they need to outsource that, whether it's the, you know, there's plenty of investigation companies out there around the world. Obviously, there's journalistic outfits do the same thing. Um, but, you know, they, they need to do something because what they're doing right now, I'm with you. I, I, they've done nothing to establish credibility. So I, 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 I don't seem to be able to regain that in the future. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest joining us. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Matt Derrick. Uh, let's switch topics a little bit. I know uh, Travis Kelsey, he was available in the uh, media portion um, uh, of, uh, of the press conference earlier this week, but uh, he's still recovering from uh, ankle surgery, if I'm not mistaken. I saw some reports that uh, he is not participating in off-season workouts. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, he just got out of the uh, the boot from his ankle surgery on uh, Friday. Um, so at this point, he yeah, just doing strength rehab, um, conditioning. That's all that he's doing. No time for him yet for when he's going to return. Um, it, it seems somewhat unlikely that I think we would see him full strength during OTAs. Um, but training camp would be the much more likely goal that you'd see him at 100%. I wouldn't be worried as a Chiefs fan. I wouldn't be worried until you get to training camp about what his availability is. I wanted to ask you about the schedule because I'm sure you've got a lot of complaints from Chiefs fans saying, hey, why are we visiting the Patriots every year? And I've tried to explain there is kind of a funky uh, cycle with the NFL schedule and, and how that really works out. And if you, it's hard to explain, but if you do understand it, it does make sense. But the biggest complaint I got from a lot of fans, and I'm sure you did as well from your followers, is that the Chiefs for the second year in a row are starting uh, their first two games on the road and three of four on the road, and listen, I get it. People want that week one season opener at home. They they want to be able to attend 
more warm weather games. Not not saying they're not going to be there in December and January, hopefully January, but uh, I I will say this, just from a a football standpoint, listen, man, with Arrowhead being that loud stadium, the loudest stadium in the NFL uh, from the Guinness Book of World Records, Man, I'd rather have more home games in December than November, or, uh, or excuse me, uh, more home games in December than September because that's going to be a big advantage on your side, especially when the playoff race intensifies. I'm not saying those are automatic wins, but it just bodes well. It's going to be more favorable in your direction. I'm kind of curious, what are your thoughts with the fact that the Chiefs, one overtime period away from a Super Bowl, not getting, I guess, a week one opener like a lot of Chiefs fans have wanted and are kind of upset about? Well, uh, you know, one thing we don't know is that sometimes, you know, teams do request, um, you know, not being home on certain dates. And if I'm not mistaken, we'd have, I'd have to double-check and make sure and look at it. I, I believe the Chiefs were either considering or hoping that they would be having some concerts um, in September. That's usually been a big month for Arrowhead. They had that issue last, uh, I think it was last season, with uh, Taylor Swift coming in. Um, they specifically asked uh, to, to open the season uh, on a different date so that they wouldn't be conflicting with that. So sometimes the teams request that. Um, and then, good grief, if if you're a Chiefs fan and you're not happy with the schedule, look at what the NFL did to the Raiders. Uh, <laughs> that is brutal. Uh, you know, who, without, pissed off, who did the Raiders piss off? Well, the, the NFL, I mean, clearly. I mean, that's <laughs> part of it. I mean, and some of it's semi-self-inflicted because they were they were willing to go ahead and give up a home game and go to London. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, they still end up with a schedule that over a six-week period leaves them with one home game, and, and that one home game's in London. Um, yeah, that's brutal. So, yeah, yeah you know, Chiefs fans look at that and then say, okay, we're okay, you know, two weeks on the road, three home games in December, we'll take that. Can we just be honest? I mean, come on, like, let's be friendly for two seconds. I, I, I would not wish that on my least favorite team, would you? No, I mean, that's, especially for a West Coast team, uh, because, you know, they've got longer road trips, too. Um, that, that trip from Oakland to London's not going to be easy. Um, there's nothing about that that's, I, to me, I'm I'm surprised that this schedule even passed muster. I'm I, I, you know, the NFL's got a formula. Um, everything's got penalties. And from their scheduling standpoint, if a schedule comes out with too many penalties, they kick it out. And things, are, things that are penalties are things like three road games in a row for teams and, and so many games, you know, away from home in a period of time. I'm, I'm surprised that this schedule came out and, and it did not say, you know what, this is unfair to the Raiders. we we got to kick this out and use a different schedule. Matt Derrick, he is the editor of ChiefsDigest.com. A lot of great work over there. Go check it out. Go follow him on Twitter at Matt Derrick. And I know I've uh, mentioned this before when you've been on the podcast, but check out his uh, autobiography on Patrick Mahomes. It is called Showtime. It's out. It's available digitally. If you want it physically, it's available. Just about any bookstore that I've been to, I have seen. Matt, it's pretty cool. I've seen like the, the, the table just full of these books and I looked over, I said, I know that guy. He's, he's been on the podcast a few times. Uh, last question before I do let you go. I'm, I'm kind of curious because the book's been out for a while now. What's the reaction been like for that book? Uh, you know, really positive. I mean, everybody's been very kind about it and, and good words about it. So I, I really appreciate that. Uh, usually the question I get is, you know, if I talk to Patrick about it. And the funny thing is I haven't had a chance to yet. Um, so we were we, we, The book came out kind of at the end of the season and uh, we were – planning on having a conversation with him right after the, the AFC championship game. And uh, that unfortunately scheduling did not work out real well. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I have not had a chance to sit down with him. I know his family has seen it for sure. Um, that's, that's been cool, but um, yeah, no, I, I was very kind about it. I really appreciate the feedback and hope everybody's enjoying it. Well, I had a chance to finally read it. I think it's really good. It's it's not as long as I thought it was. So if anyone wants to get on it, hey, it's a really good read, a very short read. So definitely get on it and uh, very cool. And uh, I hope you get a chance to, to write another book again. This is the first time I've read any of uh, your – I believe this is the first time you've written a book, and I de- definitely enjoyed it. And hopefully you get another opportunity uh, like that down the road. Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com here with us. Matt, thanks so much for your time, and uh, I hope you get to see uh, Avengers Endgame without any spoilers. I hope everybody out there can too. <laughs> All right, Matt, thanks so much for your time. Take care. You too. All right, that's Matt Derrick. Off he goes here on the Chief Zone podcast. Uh, always appreciate his time here on the podcast. Always very generous with his time and with us here on the podcast. Uh, I, obviously a lot to, to, to talk about there, but man, 
This whole Tyreek Hill situation, and I said this early on when the report first came out about multiple incidents at his home. And again, let's let's keep one thing in mind. The first incident, uh, the reported incident in the police report, his name was on it, but that case was closed. Nothing from prosecutors on that one. And then the second incident that took place at his home, he was not in that uh, report. It was just his fiance. And now we're in the situation, by the way, to clarify, uh, just reading some of the updates. Hill and his fiance Espinal have both lost temporarily have lost custody of their three year old. And look, as Matt said, yes, it's unfortunate. You know, it's I mean, we're talking about people's lives right now, and that's what matters the most. At the same time, uh, as bad as this sounds, there's the business side of things. I mean, you your business must go on. You've got to well, the, the draft is coming up in, in less than a week and the chiefs have to figure out, okay, what, what do we want to do now? Knowing what we know right now, uh, Matt did mention, you know, drafting out of fear. Is that, is that a safe move right now for the Kansas city chiefs? Uh, I'm not exactly sure if, if that would be a good move. I guess it all depends on who would be available by the time the chiefs are on the clock or if they were to trade up, if there was someone at wide receiver, they really like who happens to be falling. Um, longer than expected. I don't know right now. What I will say is when this came, when this story first came out, I wanted to be very cautious because when we heard about Kareem Hunt before the videotape came out, you know, it, it, I said this at the time, look, we do got to wait for further evidence, maybe some proof of, for all these reported incidents that came out at the time. We only knew about two of them. One in February and one in June or July, somewhere sometime during the summer. We have to wait for further proof for these kinds of things, but it's never a good thing when your name is tied into a police report like this. Now, it's there's still a lot of question marks right now as to what exactly did Tyree Kill do, but if again, if your name is in a police report. It's never a good sign, and the fact that he and his fiance and I, I know people have stalked their Instagram accounts, noticed that they have taken down photos of each other and have unfollowed each other. I mean, look, I'm not going to weigh in on, on unconfirmed stuff, but for right now, I mean, t- to the public, they are known as an engaged couple, but uh, it, it's, it's uncertain right now what Tyreek Hill did, but like I said, the fact that it's come down to this temporarily uh, lost custody, it's it's never a good sign. And I don't know where the Chiefs move forward right now with this. Here's my biggest concern, though. Let's say the Chiefs do keep Tyreek Hill. And, and Matt mentioned there's always the option of the franchise tag in, in, the, fut- in the future. But let's just say there is no contract extension this offseason for Tyreek Hill. And the Chiefs just want to move on with him. Right now, there isn't a lot of proof on the table as to what Tyreek Hill did. And again, don't get me wrong, if... It's come down to the fact that he has temporarily lost custody. I, that should never be taken lightly. But the proof is not out there yet, necessarily. There isn't a lot of evidence as to what Tyreek Hill did. The point I'm trying to get at here is... Roger Goodell could easily just go ahead and suspend Tyreek Hill without any evidence. And people are saying, well, that's not fair. There's no way he could do that. I agree. That, I mean, he shouldn't at least be able to, but he did... Do that with Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys. Let's not forget, Ezekiel Elliott was suspended six games and he was accused of battery when the proof was never there. The Cowboys tried very hard to fight this. Unfortunately, for, for the Cow- from the Cowboys' standpoint, uh, this did not go in their direction. And you know, I say unfortunately for the Cowboys, but a lot of people were really upset about this, whether they're Cowboys fans or not. And that did circle around Roger Goodell, all this criticism of, you know, what is this guy doing? How is it that he is able to do this without any proof as to what's going on? And again, I'm not sitting here saying that Ezekiel Elliott's innocent, nor am I saying he's guilty. What I'm saying is we don't know. Yes, there. I mean, there is a report out there, but we don't know exactly what happened. So for the NFL to have done that, it's a premature move on the, on their part. I don't know what they're going to do with Tyreek Hill. If 
given what the NFL's done in the past, you would think they've learned from their mistakes. I said on social media, hopefully they've learned from their mistakes. Some of you guys chuckled and said, really, the NFL learning from their mistakes? And, you know, to that I say, fair point. But look, man, the NFL, you just never know what they're going to do. They are unpredictable with these kinds of things. Sometimes they take a very long time when they're trying to investigate something. A lot of players that get in trouble for something, they don't actually receive a suspension for quite a while. Let's not forget Sean Smith. If you guys remember, he was charged with a, with a DUI. Uh, and I think because he had knocked over a light pole in downtown, I believe was a report. Because of that additional incident, uh, they had given him an additional game for a suspension. But he got a three-game suspension. That three-game suspension to hand that out, that took a very long time for the NFL to hand that out. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen. This investigation, I mean, you know, it just seems like we're just starting to see some of the details come out, but there is still a lot we don't know. And the NFL is trying to investigate this as well. And look, I brought this up with Matt. And again, I, I really hope with the Kareem Hunt incident and how they obviously did not do their due diligence there. Hopefully they've learned from that. And if they're going to reach out to individuals to try to gather information that they actually do go after the right people and do actually make a valid attempt to go after them because we're talking about someone's career on the line. And on top of that, again, let's keep in mind, personal lives are, are important too here. There, there, are some, there are a lot of things that matter more than football. Uh, at the same time, I think you can move forward and say, hey, look, we can try to figure out both sides of things. Uh, but right now, I'm not exactly sure what the NFL is going to do. And I think that's, from a football standpoint, that is something the Chiefs are worried about. I mean, let's be honest, the NFL hasn't been very consistent with the suspensions and their punishment that they've handed out to players in the past. Tom Brady got a four-game suspension for maybe deflating a football. The, the proof was never there. I know the Patriots and Brady, they were pretty hesitant in wanting to cooperate, but... Still, for the NFL to have done that without any evidence is, it's suspect. It, it really is. And again, look at Greg Hardy. He received an eight-game suspension for domestic violence, and he was able to reduce that to four games. And people then brought up the question, wait a minute, deflating a football and domestic violence both equate to a four-game suspension? I mean, how is that? How is that even, how do you justify that? Again, my point here is we don't know what's going to happen with Tyreek Hill. I think that's what some fans might fear. That's what I fear personally. I'm not exactly sure if they're going to come down with a suspension tomorrow. I mean, for all I know. It's the NFL, man. Uh, you never know sometimes uh, what direction they go into. Uh, but as far as what we know right now, it is not looking good for Tyreek Hill. It's a very unfortunate matter. And hopefully, we got to keep in mind, there's a three-year-old involved in this situation. Hopefully... You know, he's being taken care of and the best outcome comes out for him. For everybody too. Don't get me wrong there. Uh, but the three-year-old child's life is very important and you want to make sure he's being taken care of and he's under the right guidance in his life. That is, And there are people out there who are taking care of that and the Chiefs, man, I don't know what you do if you are the Chiefs. I guess you kind of sit back and you play the waiting game. Even though there's a draft coming up. Let me know your thoughts on this. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugi. And you can also send me a tweet at Farzine21. We also did talk to Matt about Travis Kelsey recovering from ankle surgery. Uh, he's at the practice facility, but not uh, participating in any of the offseason workouts right now. Uh, but focusing on rehab, which is what he should be doing. Uh, he, he's a very important part. And again, I guess to maybe mention the uncertainty of Terry Kill's status for the 2019 season there's a, there's a little bit of concern right now. Uh, how long is it going to take for Travis Kelsey? But uh, Matt did confirm, hey, look, uh, there's nothing to, to worry about. He should be ready by the time the season gets underway. And we'll get into the schedule uh, later on. But this is one of those areas where I, I guess if you're a Chiefs fan, you do kind of have to wonder what, what what's going to happen uh, with, with Travis Kelsey. Do you sit him out for OTA, which might likely be the case? Uh, do you sit him out for training camp, and all four preseason games. And let's be honest about one thing here. Travis Kelsey's not a guy 
who the Chiefs need to take a look at at OTAs and at training camp. They know what they're going to get in Travis Kelsey. Let's keep one thing in mind. I think sometimes the media makes way too big of a deal when a player is not available because of injury or maybe a personal matter for OTAs or if a player just decides to skip these voluntary practices. I remember last year when Tom Brady was not at OTAs, People, I can't remember if it was last offseason or the offseason before that. People made such a big deal that Tom Brady is not at Patriots OTAs. Well, the guy's been to three consecutive Super Bowls. I know he hasn't won each, all of them, but he's won two of three. <laughs> I mean, well, he, he's been to the Super Bowl every year. He's Tom Brady. And I'm not saying Travis Kelsey is a Tom Brady caliber player. He is one of the best at his position, maybe the best uh, at his position. I, I certainly think he's the best right now. He's been the best for a couple of years now at the tight end spot, but... Uh, for for the time being, man, uh, th- there is kind of a concern right now at that spot. But hopefully he'll uh, recover and be ahead of schedule. Let's keep one thing in mind about Travis Kelsey when it comes to rehab. This is a guy, physically speaking, he's he's different than a lot of tight ends that we, we've seen. And I know Gronk, uh, physically great shape, but did deal with a lot of injuries. But Travis Kelsey, he's a very unique tight end uh, with... What he brings to the table, the skill set he has at that tight end position. So I, I, I don't like to guess on these kinds of things or predict these kinds of things. But given his athletic ability, I think Travis Kelsey can be a little bit ahead of schedule given uh, what he's been able to do physically as an athlete. So I think he'll be a little bit ahead of the uh, the schedule, ahead of the curve with his rehab. And I've said this before with other injuries before. Let's keep one thing in mind. Uh, I tore my ACL and my meniscus about four and a half, five years ago. Uh, which was not very fun. Sounds just as painful uh, as it was, but uh, the, the rehab program that they have you go through, and I'm sure for pro-, pro athletes and even collegiate athletes, they maybe have it a little different because they are physically uh, in better shape than we are, but those rehab programs that they have you go through, it really is designed for someone who isn't as active or, or doesn't work out a whole lot. I mean, those rehab programs are really designed for those kinds of people. And I remember where I first looked at the rehab program that I was about to get into for my knee, the physical therapist who I was working with as time went on during my rehab, uh, he was mentioning that I was ahead of the curve. And, and I mean, I don't know if he was just saying that to make me feel good, but uh, basically, you know, as time went on, I, I looked back and realized, you know, these things are kind of designed for, I guess, lazy people is what I'm trying to say uh, for lack of a better term. But, uh, for Travis Kelsey's case, I, again, I think the guy just physically gifted the way he is. I think he'll be uh, ahead of schedule. Again, I don't, I don't like to guess those kinds of things, but I think uh, he'll, he'll be able to be ready in time for the regular season. Again, keep it, keep one thing in mind. If he needs that time in July and August, I think you know the, the Chiefs will be just fine. They don't need to see anything from Travis Kelsey at training camp or in preseason games because they already know what he brings to the table. And, you know, if this is a guy like Blake Bell who just joined the Chiefs, yeah, this it, it would be disappointing to see him at that spot because he's someone who does need to participate in training camp and an injury like that could prevent him from doing so and it would make uh, for a difficult decision. You know, what do you want to do uh, when it comes to trimming your roster to the 53-man roster? But fortunately, not the case for Travis Kelsey. Uh, the other big story that took place this week, Russell Wilson earned his big contract from the Seattle Seahawks. It's a four-year, $140 million extension, which includes a $65 million signing bonus. That makes him the highest paid player in the NFL. And the question, the narrative in Kansas City is, what will Patrick Mahomes get from the Kansas City Chiefs around this time next year? Well, Albert Breer put out a very interesting tweet that I think is good to use for reference uh, he put out a list of, uh, let's see how many there are on this, uh, the eight most recent quarterbacks to get a big deal, a contract extension, uh, or new deals, joining new teams, as you'll hear with a couple of players, and what they earned uh, annually on average. So starting all the way back to June of 2016, and again, I'll say these numbers, keep in mind, though they gradually go up. Andrew Luck, and again, June of 2016, got a 24 0.6 million dollar year again that's annual per average uh Derek Carr 25 million dollars a year and he got that in June of 2017 and shortly after that Matthew Stafford uh broke his deal and he got a deal that was worth 27 million dollars a year Jimmy Garoppolo signed a deal that was 
worth $27.5 million per year. And then uh, that was in February of 2018 when he just joined the 49ers. Uh, and then in March of 2018, and to correction on the Garoppolo thing, uh, he had been traded ac- actually, and he had been with the team for a little bit. So keep that in mind. Uh, he had already been with the team going into the offseason. But Kirk Cousins, in March of 2018, a month after that, $28 million a year. Two months after that, Matt Ryan, $30 million a year. And then right before the final preseason game, Aaron Rodgers of the Packers in August of 2018 got $33.5 million a year. And just this past week, Russell Wilson, $35 million. Look, here's what's going to happen. More and more, we're just going to see these things just keep going up. You know, everyone's going to break everyone else's record. That's just the way it works nowadays. Patrick Mahomes around this time next year, and I don't know if there's another quarterback that maybe you know we we might be surprised by that breaks Russell Wilson's. Let's just assume that doesn't happen. Let's just, let's assume that Russell Wilson will have the highest number going into next offseason, just for the sake of the discussion here. But Patrick Mahomes and his agent, they're going to talk to the Chiefs when it comes to negotiating an extension and they're going to say listen we think our guy 50 touchdowns his first year playing second year in the league and then obviously we have to maybe take a guess as to how he'll do this year but let's just say he has a similar season maybe not exactly 50 touchdowns and a little bit more than 5,000 yards but around that ballpark let's just assume that happens two years in a row and let's just again for the purpose of this discussion right here let's just say they finish again in the AFC Championship. Hopefully not the case, but let's just assume they go go there again. Even though Mahomes does not have a championship by that time, the Chiefs have to look at this and say, listen, we obviously gave up a lot uh, in the draft to trade up for him. And as far as personnel goes, the Chiefs did part ways with a couple of players to create cap room for the future. They didn't want to extend D Ford because they wanted to make sure they had enough money for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they let go of Eric Berry, Justin Houston, guys who were occupying a lot of uh, a lot of the cap on the team. And again, that now, because they made those moves, makes it a lot easier to extend Mahomes when the time comes. And a lot of people are guessing $40 million a year, five years, which would make him the first ever $200 million quarterback uh, in NFL history, but here's the thing about that. It's going to be broken by, my guess, Baker Mayfield, because the turnaround that Baker Mayfield has helped provide in Cleveland, he and his agent are going to say, look, we've been able to help you guys do this in Can- uh, in Cleveland, whereas in Kansas City, uh, you know, Mahomes had Smith. And again, that's not to say that, uh, that Cle- Cleveland and... Baker Mayfield are better than Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, but they're going to make the case that, hey, uh, Mahomes had Alex Smith to learn from, and the Chiefs had Alex Smith for years before that, and they were a playoff team, whereas before Baker, Cleveland was not a playoff team. They were in the bottom of the league, and he has helped provide this turnaround for this franchise, and they'll demand more money than what Patrick Mahomes is making. And then years after that, maybe, whoever's contract is about to be up, they'll provide reasons as to why they think they're more valuable than Baker Mayfield and then by that point who knows Kyler Murray could demand a big deal depending how he does in the NFL so these kinds of numbers are are just going to go up and there's going to be a point in time where Mahomes' deal is going to be up and depending on how things are going in his career at this pace with this trajectory you're going to assume that he's going to continue to do well and play at this high level he might get an even better deal than the one before, maybe even a record-breaking deal. They're just going to keep going up at this point. And I I saw Bleacher Report call this like a quarterback Royal Rumble here, which I think is a very fitting description for all this. I think it does beg the question of what is the NFL going to do and will the NFL Players Association ever come to some sort of an agreement on a limit with these kinds of things or maybe increasing the salary cap uh, that way teams can afford. We had Sue Stone on the podcast last week, and he was joking with us that, hey, once you pay the quarterback, you can't really afford anybody else. And he's 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 accurate with that. I mean, you might be able to afford a guy like Tyreek Hill if you do want to move forward with him. Uh, you, you'll be able to afford a Chris Jones long-term as well. And, you know, whoever else comes through for Kansas City, maybe the Chiefs 
I uh, really like what Sammy Watkins has been able to do. Again, time will tell if that's the case or not. They extend him. If Travis Kelsey's continuing to play at a high level, you extend him as well. Uh, but it's going to be hard to want to be able to have the type of team the Chiefs had in, let's say, between 2013 and 2016, where you had pro bowlers on offense and on defense. Let's not forget, I think it was in 2013, the Chiefs had 10 players go to the Pro Bowl. A lot of players on offense, a lot of players on defense. You may not have that, but look, and I know this is a different situation because Tom Brady hasn't demanded a lot of money and it helps that his wife is a multimillionaire as well. But the point I'm trying to make with that is at the end of the day, the Patriots have always had number 12. And as long as the Chiefs always have number 15, you can assume that they're going to have bright years ahead. I know... The Chargers haven't had the most successful postseason in NFL history, but they've always had Phillip Rivers, and more times than not, that's always made them a competitive football team. The New Orleans Saints, they, they've had Drew Brees, uh, and in the time that they've had him, he's been able to make the Saints competitive. Yeah, there may have been one or two moments where the Saints weren't competitive, but more times than not, they've been competitive while Drew Brees has been there. I mentioned Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's the most uh, recent quarterback before Russell Wilson to get a deal. Uh, you know, as anytime Aaron Rodgers has been there uh, since he replaced Brett Favre, the Packers have been a very competitive football team. I know the past couple of years, uh, things have not gone in in their way. But again, that's just a small amount of of what's happened there. Everything that they've gone through with with Aaron Rodgers, for the most part, it's been very good. Same thing for Matt Ryan, same thing for Russell Wilson in Seattle. You know, contract extensions, they're they're a funny subject to have. It's always hard to kind of understand the direction of all these quarterbacks. I mean, so, I mean, look at a guy like Derek Carr. He, at, at the time, broke the record for biggest contract ever, and then Matthew Stafford broke his record. Well, neither of these guys have postseason success I believe Stafford has played three times in the playoffs and that's off the top of my head I could be wrong on that but I believe Stafford's played three times and Derek Carr he did help the Raiders get to the postseason in 2016 but because of his injury he obviously did not play in the playoffs yet he still earned this deal and again I don't want to use a Tom Brady comparison because he's not demanding much because personally he's financially in a great spot especially with his wife so not everyone has that luxury uh, but that would be a very interesting discussion to have if that was not the case with Tom Brady imagine what Tom Brady could honestly demand if he really was wanting top money top quarterback money I'm not exactly sure what Patrick Mahomes is going to get again like I said 40 million dollars a year five years giving him $200 million uh, in in his total deal, that is the expected outcome. But you never know if someone's going to step ahead and get a contract bigger than Russell Wilson's before Mahomes is eligible for a deal. And maybe then Mahomes is going to have an even bigger deal or he'll at least be able to demand a bigger deal by the time his uh, contract is available for negotiation. Let me just say this. I know a lot of people are hoping that because of his attitude that he's able to Maybe provide a hometown discount. I don't know. Uh, and listen, let me just say, I think we can all agree, Mahomes, good kid, uh, doesn't have an ego that he's playing with. He seems like he's a humble dude, and everyone likes him. And what he's doing in the community, the way he interacts with fans, just just a humble guy, and seems like he just wants to be treated like a normal, normal person, not a celebrity, not an MVP. He's always cool. He, I mean, he wants to be playing basketball with... <laughs> with the average person out there, but unfortunately he can't. But the point I'm trying to make here is some people are hoping that he could uh, provide that hometown discount, what a lot of fans like to call it. Is that a possibility? Sure, I'll never rule that out of the realm of possibilities. Uh, The thing is, with, with Mahomes, keep in mind, this guy's getting so many deals left and right this offseason. A lot of sponsorship deals coming his way. Again, I don't know if he can look at that or if he will look at that and say, hey, look, because I'm doing so well, I'll, I still want a lot of money, but it doesn't have to be record-breaking. I think there's a slim chance of that with the way he's playing. I, I think, look, a, a quarterback's going to want to get paid, especially with the job they do. But, 
yeah, sure, maybe there is that chance where he does let things out a little bit, and maybe he's going to be a little lenient and say, hey, I, I'm, I'm doing just fine financially with all these sponsors that are paying me. Yeah, sure, I, I still want some big bucks, but it doesn't have to be top money. Kind of similar to what Tom Brady is going through with the Patriots. I'll, I'll leave that on the table as a possibility, because I think that is something that, again, could happen. I say it doesn't, uh, but we'll see. As I promised, I did want to get into the schedule for the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, look, I'm not going to go over game by game. I'm sure you guys all know that by now before you tune in. Uh, But uh, what I said with Matt, look, you know, sure, it would have been nice to have a home game early in the season. Uh, And when I say early, I'm talking the first two weeks. Uh, You know what I've always said before is you got to think logistically because of the Kansas City Royals. Uh, I know I'm not saying that anyone has forgotten about this, but I think sometimes, yeah, we, we, we look at the chief schedule and we want, you know, two home games in a row to start off the season, but we, we have to understand that, uh, the NFL does have to think logistically with some of these teams. Um, the Raiders are another team that they have to, uh, look at similarly to Kansas city. Hey, can we have a home game here? Because we know the Raiders, they share a stadium with the athletics and, I know the Raiders, they're also right next to the Golden State Warriors. And they all, I mean, they it's kind of like the Truman Sports Complex where you've got multiple teams there. Uh, again, same thing with Kansas City. And I'm sure with the Raiders come basketball season, I mean, the Raiders schedule came first. So the NBA has to work around the Raiders schedule when they want to schedule Warriors games for the upcoming season. Now, Matt did mention concerts, and I actually forgot about that because I was always, and I've said this before, I've always said, look, you've got to understand that the Chiefs, they're right by the Royals, so, uh, and from the Royals standpoint, they do have home games in week two, which is September the 15th, and in week four, September the 29th, so obviously, the NFL would have to put the Raiders, or the Chiefs on the road, and they have them doing so, visiting the Raiders and the Lions in weeks two and four. I know there was that rare occasion where they had the Chiefs host a Monday night football game in week one in 2010, and they had uh, they had the uh, Royals. Uh, they were able to work around that by rescheduling their start time to early in the day on Monday. And I know that was uh, some fans took advantage of that, where they went to go see the Royals, and then they went to go see the Chiefs uh, right after that, but as far as uh, the, the the Chiefs scheduling goes, yeah, I, I did forget about the fact that, you know, the Arrowhead, you know, they, they've been putting on a lot of concerts in August and September. In fact, if you look at the preseason schedule and the regular season schedule, the Chiefs are on the road in week four of the preseason. They're going to be at Green Bay, and then for the first two games of the regular season, they're on the road at Jacksonville and at Oakland. And because of that three and a half week time frame where they're going to be on the road, uh, that's going to give Arrowhead opportunities to put on a concert or two. Uh, I know Arrowhead, I think since 2010 or 2011, they've been wanting to do more of that since the renovations. And usually September is the best time of the year to do those kinds of things. I don't, I, I can't, Remember, if there was ever any complaints of bad weather, uh, I mean, you never know with rain sometimes, uh, but for the most part, it, I don't think there's ever been any bad weather uh, ever since they've had these concerts. Man, this is off the top of my head, so I, I could be wrong on that, but uh, that is usually the best time of year. I know a lot of, the reason I bring that up, a lot of people will say, why, well, why would the why would the Chiefs want to schedule concerts during that time? Listen, I think anybody who lives in Kansas City or has been to Kansas City during the summertime, or maybe you've just heard about these things and you've never been to Kansas City, people know that the summertime, the, the humidity is horrible. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. You don't want to be at an outdoor concert during that time. Uh, baseball games, uh, I remember the only time I've seen sellouts in the summer uh, w- with all that humidity in Kansas City, it, that was when the Royals were... Doing pretty hot in 2015. Uh, coming off a World Series appearance. And at the time, they had the best record in the American League. So, uh, it's not often that you see a lot of outdoor activities uh, during the summertime because of the humidity. So, that is another thing that you have to consider. That's why you see a lot of these concerts take place 
during football season, whether it's late in the preseason where the Chiefs are able to do that this year or uh, you know early in the first couple of weeks, which again, the Chiefs are able to do given the fact that they have uh, weeks one and two on the road. But aside from that, I really do like the schedule. And again, I know Chiefs fans are not happy about weeks one and two being on the road, one, two, and four. But listen, man, I, I said this with Matt, I'll say it again, and I actually said this last year, uh, and I think this is worth repeating. I would rather have home games, more home games in December than in September. Look at December, the month of December. You start off playing the Raiders at home. But you let me just say this, actually. You have three home games in December. They're all against divisional opponents. And this is also the time of the year where the playoff race heats up and you want to be at home as much as possible. And... This will bode well for the Chiefs, trust me. It really will, because you have Arrowhead Stadium, again, loudest stadium in the NFL. Everyone knows about that. Chiefs fans love to brag about that, and rightfully so. And at this point, you, you know, you want to make sure you can win your home games, especially considering they're all against divisional opponents. Let's not forget the Chiefs and the Chargers, they tied for most wins in the AFC last year. So even though the Chargers had to settle with a five seed, uh, they were the top two teams in the conference last year. So, again, that Week 17 Chargers game, that could be flexed to a Sunday night football game. A lot of people are talking about the Patriots and why that is a 325 kickoff game and not a primetime game. So, and I don't have all the answers to this, but I know that CBS and Fox, they do have the right to protect a couple of games from Weeks, I believe, 11 through 16. And look... Rightfully so, CBS has protected that game. Uh, they obviously missed out on having these two in the regular season in 2014 on Monday Night Football. Even though that was a blowout, it was a blowout that we had never seen before. And that kept people tuned in because, I mean, how many more times are you going to see the Patriots get blown out like that 41-7? to I say 41-7 because the last touchdown was Garoppolo to, to Gronk. And that was when the game was pretty much decided. Uh, then, of course, the 2017 season opener, which was another stunner to a lot of people and how the Chiefs opened up the season with a win over the Patriots. And then last year, again, understandably so, you put the Chiefs and Patriots on primetime. And now CBS, they've, uh, I guess they've made the case that, look, we've missed out on, on this matchup multiple times. We want to have them on CBS at least once. And that is what they are getting. Uh, these two teams will play each other again in 2020. This time it's going to be at Arrowhead, and if the Chiefs and the Patriots, if they have the same division placement in 2020, then they will meet again at Arrowhead at 2021. So for a lot of people complaining that the Chiefs have been visiting the Patriots a lot in the regular season recently, well, in 2020, it's already determined that the Patriots will come to Kansas City, and again, if they finish in the same spot in their respective divisions, the Patriots will visit the Chiefs two years in a row again, and that'll be in 2020 and 2021, so... I'll put that aside. I know that was a complaint, and we've had that complaint all offseason long from Chiefs fans. But overall, man, I I like the schedule. Uh, the Chiefs do have four of five at home after the first four weeks, which I think is going to be pretty good. You've got three primetime games within four weeks. That is part of the four of five at home. You've got the Colts at home. You've got, and that is a Sunday night game. You've got the Broncos on the road for Thursday night, and then you've got the Packers for a Sunday night game at home. I predict for primetime games, I predicted the Chargers, which the Chiefs, that was a given because it's going to be in Mexico, and generally that is a Monday night football game. That's slated a Monday night football game. Uh, as far as other teams, I had the Patriots. A lot of people thought that was going to be the case. I also had the Bears. I thought the Trubisky. Versus Mahomes matchup would have been enticing to, to have, uh, considering they were both from the same draft class. But as far as the other games, uh, and I did have the Broncos for a primetime game. I didn't have the Packers uh, simply because uh, I thought the Packers, you know, struggling last year, maybe they weren't going to do that. But a lot of you guys said that there's no way that the NFL is going to miss out on Mahomes versus Rodgers and Obviously, that ended up being the case, so you guys were right on that. And then the Colts, kind of a surprising one to me to have the Colts on primetime. Uh, generally, uh, there, there's going to be that one team that maybe 
you have on primetime where you don't expect. Uh, some people didn't think that the Bears would have happened on primetime. Last year it was the Seahawks is kind of that surprise primetime game. The Chiefs and Redskins met on Monday night at Arrowhead a couple of years ago. So uh, you have a couple of those primetime games where the matchup doesn't necessarily make sense. But hey, uh, you're given a primetime game. I don't think any fan base is going to say no to that. Uh, speaking of primetime, I was kind of surprised by this. The Buffalo Bills have zero primetime games this year. Uh, I, I, I was always under the uh, assumption that every team had at least one primetime game, uh, road or away, but uh, not the case this year for the Buffalo Bills. Kind of interesting uh, how that panned out. But overall for the Chiefs, uh, you know, you've know you got your bye week right before the month of December, so it, it'll, it'll be a good time to have the bye week. Uh, recharge your batteries during that bye week and get ready for what will be an intense month of December. Last year, we know how tough it was for the Chiefs to clinch that number one seed. It took them a couple of weeks longer than it should have, but they still got it one way or another. But the point is, it was pretty difficult for them to attain that number one seed. And again, having three of these games at home in December, all against divisional opponents, that is something that you want to have. And it'll definitely go well for the Chiefs, I think. Uh, if, If you can at least take two of those three, obviously three of three would be great, but if you can take two of three, uh, man, I, I won't be complaining. And if you can take one of those two road games with the with the Patriots or the the Bears, that'll be good too. I mean, those are two playoff teams you're going to be visiting on the road in December, and they're both going to be competing, uh, not just for playoff spots, but for a high seed in their conferences. Let me know your thoughts on the Chiefs schedule. If there's anything I missed that you want to hear, if there's anything you disagree with me, let me know. Facebook.com slash Farzian and Twitter.com slash Farzian21. That is a tweet machine. A couple of other notes regarding NFL schedules. Uh, the Patriots, uh, I obviously mentioned the Chiefs, uh, not going to be on primetime, but the Patriots are playing the Chiefs, the Cowboys, and the Eagles. Look, Patriots, Cowboys, I mean, those are two marquee teams. Even if the Cowboys go 0-16, they're always going to be the team that a lot of people would... Uh, always want to see on primetime uh whether you want to watch them because you love them or you hate them uh they're always going to be that marquee team and the eagles obviously that would have been a recent super bowl rematch uh none of those are primetime games kind of surprising to me Uh, matt Tarek mentioned this the raiders opening the first two games at home in oakland with the broncos and the chiefs and then they go uh, several weeks until week nine before they have another game in oakland I, I I don't know. I don't even understand that. I mean, you would think the NFL would at least think a little logistically with that kind of a thing, but they had no mercy for the Raiders on the schedule. That's for sure. And I will say this because we hear people, players will not, uh, players are weird about these kinds of things that they complain about. They'll, they'll say that, you know, the, it's no different to them. They'll take it one game at a time, one week at a time. But let's be honest, at the end of the day, uh, NFL players do complain about the road schedule sometimes and how that is provided for them and the the legroom on airplanes and whatnot, the comfort of being on the road uh, in a hotel and whatnot. Keep an eye on that Raiders time frame right there because I think it will have an impact. I, I really do. Uh, again, I know sometimes we make a big deal of certain things, but to go... That long between weeks two and nine before you have a a real home game. And don't give me that London home game type of thing. I mean, the, the Raiders are going to be on the road quite a lot. They're traveling quite a lot. And that's never fun for an NFL team. Yeah, I mean, you're going through a lot as the week goes on with your body and practices. And then in games, obviously, I mean, football is a physically demanding sport. I know baseball is a day-to-day kind of sport. But the... Physicality in that sport nowhere near the same as it is in football, and kind of makes you wonder. Uh, you know, could injuries play a factor in this? Uh, could the injury bug go around during that time frame? Uh, I think that's going to be a very interesting one there. But uh, mentally, uh, physically, that could be a very tough stretch for the Raiders, and I'd be very interested in, in seeing how the Raiders do during that time frame. And look, sure, I, I know we say we don't wish that on even our, our least favorite teams, but uh, if you're the Chiefs, uh, hey, you can only take what's given to you, and perhaps that would be a big advantage for the rest of the AFC West teams to try to keep winning during that stretch and 
not feel bad for them. Look, you, you can't feel bad if teams are losing and you're winning. You can only control what you can control. And it would be a great opportunity to build a gap between yourselves and the Raiders at this point. So we'll see what happens between weeks two and nine for the Raiders. I think that'll be one where the discussion will come up again. Should the NFL allow that kind of thing to ever happen again in the future? I know there are some issues with the Raiders right now with their with their uh, current situation and, and where they'll play in the future. Uh, but I don't think that's any reason to do what the NFL did to the Raiders with that uh, with that schedule. Not not in the least bit. By the way, the Browns put out a really comical video about the NFL draft. Uh, there's a video of John Dorsey, a former Chiefs GM, logging on to AOL, and he's going through the NFL encyclopedia, uh, the, the, the physical copy, that is, and he prints the schedule out, and it's on one of those old-school machines, uh, rips it out, puts it out on the whiteboard, and the jokes came up. Uh, is this how uh, is this how uh, John Dorsey tried to cut Jeremy Macklin via AOL Instant Messenger? Uh, but uh, props to the uh, Browns video team uh, for how they uh, made that video, putting the AOL in the background and all. Uh, and they had the the sound effects of logging on to AOL. Anyone who used AOL, or even if you've never used AOL, everyone's heard the uh, the the, uh, the sound for the, for that. How that all. Uh, works logging on but uh, I, I thought it was a pretty comical video I shared that on social media something that a lot of NFL teams did they put out some really fancy videos uh, for their the, in a way to announce their schedules the Falcons man I, I'll give it to them they they put out probably the best video it was a Game of Thrones themed schedule announcement and they when the Seahawks when they were playing the Seahawks they had a video of actual Seahawks, you know, flying around the Mercedes-Benz Dome. When it was time to play the Saints, when they announced the Saints part, uh, they actually had had a Falcon run over a Saints player, and the referee just called it incomplete, which I thought was comical. I mean, that was perfect in reference to, obviously, what happened in the NFC Championship game. Uh, By the way, uh, I do want to mention this uh, because people were flabbergasted by this. The fact that ESPN had a two-hour broadcast for the scheduled release. And let me just say this. I actually, while prepping for the podcast, I actually watched that. I had that on TV. It was not a bad broadcast. Uh, It it was not must-watch TV by all means, but... They went over some of the marquee teams, teams like the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Packers, the Cowboys, uh, uh, the Steelers. And they went over their schedule game by game. They gave some predictions. Uh, They also went over the Browns, teams that are expected to be on the rise, uh, expected to make a bigger splash uh, in 2019. So they did that, and they also... Uh, you know, to make sure they cover all the teams. They didn't go game by game, but they would show the entire schedule for all 32 teams and just comment briefly on their schedules and go over some of the marquee games, obviously, throughout the 17 weeks, uh, the primetime games, obviously, and, of course, ESPN Broadcasting Monday Night Football. They obviously put an emphasis on the Monday Night Football games. Uh, I don't know if they've announced who's replacing Jason Witten yet, but I certainly hope that they find someone else instead of Booger McFarlane, or at the very least, get rid of that Booger Mobile or the Booger Cart, whatever they're calling that, because I just think that's lame. And, uh, you know, there's no reason for him to be on the field unless he's doing player interviews, which nobody does except in preseason during games. So there's no reason for him to be on the field. He's not, you know, looking up any injuries on the sidelines. He's not being a sideline reporter, he's just being a sideline commentator, and there's no reason for him to be on the field, he can ha- he can have his own booth. I don't see any reason for him to be on the field. No, or he could just be the third guy on commentary for all I care. But uh, the the booger cart or whatever, I mean, that's just stupid. And I hope they get rid of that. Uh, but overall, uh, as far as the Chiefs' schedule goes, I like it. I like having more home games in December because of the playoff race. That's when things start to heat up. Uh, so. Hopefully you guys like it. Maybe you guys didn't feel positively about the Chiefs schedule. I kind of forgot about the whole concert deal that the Chiefs are trying to have. So maybe you listen to that uh, with my conversation with Matt Derrick. And maybe you understand that part of things. Because like I said, I I didn't consider that. I I was mostly considering the fact that they have the same parking lot as the Royals. And that is one of the things that maybe uh, when you consider the Royals and uh, and the concerts... 
as to why they're on the road so much early on in the season. And again, I think it's no accident that they're on the road in week four of the preseason and in the first two weeks of the regular season. Uh, A lot to talk about on this podcast, obviously the schedule release, Patrick Mahomes and the contract that he could get in the future. And uh, I never liked discussing these kinds of stories. I know we did this a lot with Kareem Hunt and now we're kind of seeing with Tyree Kill. We're still learning a lot. I think that's very important to know, but be very mindful of the situation. You know, there's obviously a three-year-old involved and there's still a lot we don't know. I I, I do want to say one other thing. Uh, A writer for Arrowhead Addict, uh, I believe his uh, last name, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, but Lyle Graverson, uh, he put out a tweet saying, hey, look, you know, if you're upset about the incident, that's one thing, but to attack and criticize uh, reporters for reporting this incident, it does kind of look bad on the fan base, and I do agree. One thing I do want to point out about the Tyreek Hill story that come out, and I saw this with the Kareem Hunt deal too, and I said this on Twitter in response to someone who had responded to uh, his uh, his tweet when the Kareem Hunt video release happened, people criticized the media saying, hey, why are you reporting this? You're, you're, you are you're should be reporting positive things about your team. Well, no, that's not, that's not how journalism works necessarily. I know people have their criticism of journalism today, and that's certainly fair. But the media is not obligated to report just positive things about a sports team or, or anything out there. Uh, when something happens, you've got to report it, and you've got to report it fairly. I know when politics, we don't really see that whole a whole lot and i'm saying this from both sides from from the cnn and the fox news of the world i i think there are improvements from both sides that are needed as far as the sports case goes listen man um yeah there are some misleading headlines out there i get that but to personally attack some of the reporters out there it's um it's definitely uncalled for and i said this before with the brook prior prior situation excuse me so just be mindful of that. Again, I think everyone can have a conversation about this, but we can also disagree about it if we if we have any disagreements about it rationally. I don't think that is a disagreeable comment. So hopefully, if, again, if you feel strongly about something, feel free to comment on it. But keep in mind, it's a sensitive subject like this. It's never easy to discuss, so be mindful with everything you say uh, about this topic. And got to keep in mind what's going on, and uh, hopefully the best case comes out for all three of these members, uh, Tyree Kill, his uh, fiance, and their three-year-old son, who currently is um, uh, Hill and uh, Espinal, uh, both have temporarily lost custody of their three-year-old son. Never a fun thing to, to hear about, I'm sure, in his shoes right now, as well as her shoes, not a, not a, n- never anything any parent wants to go through. So hopefully that can get resolved as soon as possible. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Big thanks to Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com for joining me here on the podcast. Big thanks to all of you guys for downloading and listening to the podcast. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast, share the links, and interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Farzine and twitter.com slash Farzine21. We will be back on Monday. We will preview the NFL draft. We will do our closing segment. I'll give you guys my prediction on who I think the Chiefs will draft, and then we will recap the first round for the Chiefs on Friday's podcast, and then we will do a Chiefs draft recap as well as an NFL draft recap on Sunday. So a lot to look forward to in the next week for the Chiefs podcast. So make sure you're subscribed, and again, share the links for the podcast. My name is Farzee Vasugian. I appreciate you guys listening. Enjoy your weekend. I will talk to you guys next week.